Our minerals are literally the foundation of our physical health, but like not just our physical health, we got to keep in mind our enzymes are totally mineral dependent. Our biochemicals, our hormones, our metabolism, just about every single biological function is totally run dependent on our mineral levels. And magnesium is, in my opinion, the most important one for us to be focusing on because it's responsible for over 42% of our enzymes in our body. 42% of our electrical being is totally run independent on magnesium alone. This is Max Casa, and you're listening to the Lifestylist Podcast. Hey there, podcast friends. Luke Story here from LukeStory.com, bringing you another banger of a show. Here are just a few of the things you'll learn about today on episode 454 of the Lifestylist Podcast. The intersection of John C. Lilly, LSD, dolphins, and float tank history. How AIDS shunted float popularity in the 1980s. Why the brain loves to let go of its connection to the skeletal muscles. The four different brain states involved in this therapy. The heightened states of consciousness that can be achieved during the float experience. Mixing psychedelics with time in the tank and cloat therapy. That's cloat with a K. You'll learn what that means soon. Using light and sound inside a float chamber for an enhanced experience. And why the type of magnesium used is so important. Achieving magnesium saturation, topical versus oral. The magic of max vitality salts. How sodium borate might be as effective as borax for clearing nanobots and graphene oxide the many variations of the float tank, and which are best for home or commercial settings, the fascinating world of infoceutical devices, and finally, how to get over claustrophobia and what to do if you don't have access to a float tank. If you've already joined my podcast email list at lukestory.com newsletter, then the show notes, audio, video, and written transcripts for this episode are already sitting in your inbox. But fear not if you missed that boat. You'll find all the resources for this one at lukestory.com slash float. Our incredible guest today is my friend Max Casa, the shamanic sensei. He's an accomplished lifetime martial artist, performance coach, and medicine man. This guy works tirelessly to spread his knowledge on the benefits of floating, magnesium, minerals, and energy, and hopes to help others like you strengthen and balance their mind, body, and spirit. And by the way, if you, like me, are keen on getting a float tank of your very own in your home or perhaps your wellness center, here's what you do. Go to this link, lukestory.com slash maxvitality. Once you're there, you're going to score 10% off your order of Vitality Salts and or $2,500 off your float tank by using the code LUKESTORY at checkout. Again, that's lukestory.com slash maxvitality. All right, folks, that's it for the setup. Let's go ahead and get our float on with Max Casa on the Lifestylist Podcast. This, Max, is going to be the first ever Lifestylist Podcast, wherein myself as the host and you as the guest are going to be doing a magnesium foot soak. So for those that are just listening, you might want to watch the video at least of this portion of it because when you said, hey, I'm going to bring over my new, my new uh, foot soak buckets and your, uh, your max vitality salts, I was like, yeah, bro, let's do it. I don't think there's any risk of electrocution, so we have no reason <laughs> to not do it. Yeah, man, this is going to be one, one epic show. I'm pumped. Buckle up. Awesome. All right. Set us up, man. Line them cool, up, dude. bartender. Let's do it. Yes, we got the vitality salts here and... Dude, we got the scoop, but really, 
I think this is like a half cup. Okay. But honestly, with this stuff, with all the cofactors and everything, it's a power blend. So really only need like two two tablespoons per, per foot soak. Really? Yeah. So. God, see, with stuff like that, I always feel like it's not enough. Because <laughs> so, I'm just extra. Like you sent me uh, a couple of these bags a few months ago and we have this rad tub. I'll mm-hmm. show you when we get done, like a Japanese soaking tub. I mean, this is like a months, months long project to just get this thing. It sat in the front yard for months and we went through all this drama renovating the house. And then finally we had the bathroom ready to move it in mm-hmm. and, and no one would lift it. Like no plumbers, no contractors. It was 425 pounds. So eventually I had the idea to hire a piano moving company and they came in in like 15 minutes. Boom, boom, boom. It's four people, a special dolly and like, um, but when you sent me your salts last time, I think I poured the whole bag in there because it's such it. a big volume of water. Yeah, yeah. So, true. but I probably wasted it. <laughs> probably used too much, more than you needed. Yeah, well, it's good. I'm sure you had it quite the night. Yeah, quite the night. But yeah, dude, that's it's funny about the piano movers because you can imagine moving the float tanks too. It's similar. No one wants to oh touch them, God, touch them for liability reasons. But the piano movers, they come in, get the job done. And oh, you've done that too with your tanks. Yeah, dude, we got to because we're we're zipping them around a yeah. bunch of different countries and everything. You know, so that's funny. I've got a team in in every country yet. Really, um, that's funny, yeah. dude. Because I called around to a few like jacuzzi and hot tub companies, mm-hmm. you know, figuring like when people move from one house to another and they want to take their hot backyard hot tub with them, someone can move it mm-hmm. and none of them would do it. They were just like, we don't, what are you talking about? We don't move tubs. I'm like, you move hot tubs. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, not yours. So anyway, all right, you ready to, you ready to go in here? Yeah, man. Born okay. ready. Let's do it. All right. So we have our, oh God. Oh my God. That feels good. I'm doing this every wow. episode. Dude, I wouldn't blame you. Oh my God. This <laughs> It's pretty hot too. Dude, that's toasty. So that, that's what you want though for the for the optimal magnesium absorption is really as, as hot as you can handle. Really? Yeah. See, time. I've heard different theories on that. I've always assumed that the hotter the better uh, because I just, I feel good in a jacuzzi, hot tub, bath or whatever when it's super hot. Mm-hmm. But then I've, I interviewed someone and they were telling me that even if you put your skin in cold water, that you still absorb stuff. Because I always thought, oh, your pores close because they contract with cold. And mm-hmm. then I figured the hotter, the better, and the more they open. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I mean, you, you feel solid about that, that if it's hotter, you're going to get more absorption? Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, I'm glad they brought up the pores, but it's not just the pores it's getting absorbed through. And actually, primarily, especially with transdermal magnesium absorption, it's the hair follicles right and oh, the hair follicles really it goes in yeah. a little follicle yeah dude it's crazy it's like you see the skin and a little piece of hair there's a little canal along the side and we've literally captured in a laboratory now magnesium ions getting absorbed through the hair follicles directly into the bloodstream where it could be used by the really? body right away versus oral supplementation we're talking like yeah nine to twelve months to have any impact on red blood cell magnesium levels at all Oh, that's wild. That's that's super crazy. Yeah, yeah, I've um, I'm sure you've listened to Morley Robbins before, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's on Matt Blackburn's podcast a lot, or or was until I think they had a fight about iron. <laughs> 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 now I don't know if they're homies anymore. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I don't think so. health industry podcasting. You know, relationships are fluid sometimes. <laughs> but um, but he is always talking about the RBC, right? The the blood, the red blood cell level of magnesium, and um, and I've heard him talk about that too. How like. You can take it for months and months orally and still not get that level of saturation that you could from transdermal. Big time. Yeah, I know even with his protocol, I know they say starting off the day with transdermal magnesium absorption. 
and ending the day with transdermal magnesium absorption just because it's so rapid and effective. Like, oral is still a powerful tool, but it's the long-term play, you know? And I'm big, especially on magnesium, hitting it from all sides. You know, yeah. it's one of those things you got to hit from all yeah. sides just due to that burn rate, which Mor- Morley has coined. Um, so, transdermal is definitely king there in that sense because it's rapid. Um, so you'll start seeing the effects right away. And another cool thing about transdermal too is it actually has... Another reason when you were on Blackburn's um, the other week, it's a fire episode. Good stuff. <laughs> that was but fun. A, but a good knowledge that was there. fun, dude. We went for three hours. He's referring to uh, Mito Life Radio, but my old friend Matt Blackburn. Yeah, that was that was a funny one. Yeah, dude, that was good. Three hours. I kept waiting for him to shut me up, and he just kept going. <laughs> so I was like, "All right, don't Let's give me a bit. microphone and no time to end because it'll never end." Yeah, no, huh, dude. I'm glad that was awesome. It was cool seeing you guys um, reconnect there, which is awesome. So, but with the transdermal, it's cool because, so I remember in that episode, you had talked about taking the capsules and kind of emptying them on your tongue, um, which is great. Something I also subscribe to just because you kind of allow your biology and your body to kind of have that say and connect with them on that deeper level. And even just taking that minute to connect with your body and ask your body, hey, like, is this something you want me to funnel down you right now before I pop five magnesiums or whatever it is. It's putting it on the tongue and connecting with your inner being and seeing how it reacts and um, is a powerful thing to do. But that's why I love transdermal because transdermal, your body really has the say, you know, we can leverage that body's natural fail-safe mechanism to open up the hair follicles and the pores to soak up more magnesium when it needs to, when it wants it. And then what we see is around the 45 minute mark oftentimes, it closes up. So it starts to close those off once the magnesium levels are topped off and it won't suck anymore in. Um, so really leveraging your body's natural fail-safe mechanism through the skin is awesome. And wow, really, that's really, cool. Really cool. Kind of like, uh, like iodine. You, you know, they say, I don't, I don't, I've never tested this or verified this, but I've heard it said that if you take like Lugol's iodine, which is kind of a, a brownish rust color, right? And if you put it in your skin and it disappears and disappears, at the point at which it stays colored, they're saturated with it or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I forget how it goes exactly, but yeah, totally. it's an interesting idea to, to introduce things transdermally versus orally. But yeah, that um, part that you caught, something I'm, I'm interested in researching more, but you know, there's, there's so much information in how something tastes, like the flavor profile of, of different foods. And when you put them in your mouth, the enzymatic reactions that take place and you're starting to prepare the rest of your digestive system for what's coming. And I've always felt kind of weird, not that it stopped me, but just pounding tons of capsules and tablets and supplements. And I kind of picture them as like these little bombs going off when your stomach acid melts the cellulose of the, you know, the capsule or whatever, then, you know, your body's just kind of like, what is all this shit? Big time. So, you know, I don't know. I'm st- I still do it, but whenever I can, um, if it's something that's not too caustic or, or just foul tasting, I will empty it out and just pour it in my mouth or into a smoothie or something like that. Yeah, totally. Even the ones that aren't, that are pretty foul tasting. I know like the vitamin E isn't particularly great tasting, but that's one of the best ways for you to really tell and connect with the medicine and see like, like I smell it, I taste it, is it rancid? <laughs> you know, all that stuff. Right. I really connected with it, I feel is a powerful tool. One thing I want to touch on too, which I feel could be interesting, as we talked about the red blood cell magnesium levels, it's widely thought of as the most accurate magnesium blood test that we have to date. But actually there is one that's superior. Um, ionized magnesium. 
I don't know. Are you familiar with that? No. Uh-uh. Yeah. So we'd actually get an ionized magnesium blood test. There's only like 250 labs in the States that do this kind of testing. So it's not as uh, wide, wide known or well documented. But because how much magnesium is in your red blood cells isn't the active form. And you can test the active form magnesium in your body. Um, through the ionized magnesium test. Really? Yeah. Interesting. We're going to have to find a lab that does that, put it in the show notes. Big time. Yeah, we got some. Uh, um, by the way, the show notes, folks, will be found uh, at lukestory.com slash float. It's funny because I wanted to like, have a really focused episode on, on sensory deprivation, tanks, chambers, floating, all the things. <laughs> we just get off on a magnesium <laughs> tangent. But it really is a huge piece of that. But while, while we're at it, um, just in the sake of continuity, I know that you put a lot of thought into creating the Vitality Salts here. For those watching the video, you, you can see this. And I find it really interesting that, and I want to see if this is what you use in your tanks too, that you're using uh, magnesium chloride flakes rather than um, the other one in Epsom salt. It's magnesium uh, sulfate. sulfate, right? Yep. And then you've got potassium bicarbonate, sodium borate, sodium ascorbate, and of course, high vibes. No doubt. And it says here on your bottle that these flakes are 40, 47% magnesium chloride by weight, which I think is much more than an Epsom salt. So maybe like break down the different types of bath salts. And then also, I think something that, that I'm new to is that a lot of these... Epsom salts and magnesium flakes that you can get online from Amazon or whatever, which is usually where I order mine, um, are uh, potentially, if not likely, to be um, contaminated with you know mercury and heavy metals and other nasties. So you just break down the whole bath salts uh, download, and then we'll get into the float tanks. Totally. Yeah. Well, I'm, uh, I appreciate you breaking that down. It's good, good, solid breakdown. Um, but yeah, really. So the floating was kind of where it all started. So previously. I was soaking like many people in magnesium sulfate or Epsom salts, right? Until I started really diving down the rabbit hole of magnesium and learned that Epsom salt has a sneaky cousin named magnesium chloride. (laughs) Uh, And what's so cool about magnesium chloride is it actually has 230% more magnesium by volume than Epsom salt, right? So all the float tanks, we talked about float tanks, but all the float tanks in the market, unless you're using a vitality salts, are filled with Epsom salt. Right, commonly because it's a cheaper alternative, magnesium sulfate. They still think it has the magnesium in there, but not nearly as much. Um, and like you had touched on, much of the magnesium on the market is tainted, unfortunately, because it's sourced from a gr- from mines that are above ground, and it's getting acid rained on. It has all sorts of pollutants in there, especially mercury, which isn't a fun one. So, (laughs) (laughs) to put it mildly, I'm going to take a mercury bath. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, it does more harm than good, typically. Um, Yeah, so what we did is we sourced the purest magnesium chloride on Earth. And then magnesium has three powerful known cofactors, and two of them can be absorbed transdermally, right? So, the three cofactors for anyone listening the first one is vitamin B6. And vitamin B6 recommend getting from whole food bee pollen. Right, so organic bee pollen, it's, it's one of the first things I put in my body in the morning when I go over to the fridge, down my water um, after gratitude practice, and I, I go over, grab a couple tablespoons, start funneling the, the bee pollen. And what's so cool about the bee pollen is it helps your body soak up and your cells soak up more of the magnesium into the cells. Oh, really? Yeah. So wow. I, oh, and, and organic bee pollen is the, the best whole food form there. Um, B6 
you really always want to opt for whole, whole food forms when possible. Um, and the other two cofactors, we got potassium bicarbonate, which you had touched on. Potassium bicarbonate is great because it helps your body get more of the magnesium, not just into the cells, but into the mitochondria, where now that magnesium can be used via the Krebs cycle to make more ATP really? energy. Yeah. Wow. So that's a really cool one there too. That, so I, I noticed on your site uh, where you have the floats, you have the uh, Max Recommends, and then you have just a few products on there. And one mm-hmm. of them was this adrenal cocktail product mm-hmm. that looked really interesting. And it you know, has the potassium in it. Do you mm-hmm. think that your soaking salts are giving you potassium in the same way? Are we like absorbing that kind of mineral of potassium? I, I do believe so. And it, but it's not even, so the potassium bicarbonate aspect is interesting. So you got the first half, the potassium, which naturally has its benefits, like you're talking about for the adrenals. And um, it's really good at helping balance out the magnesium as well. But I'm more fascinated with the bicarbonate aspect of the potassium bicarbonate. And really, it could be sodium bicarbonate, could be potassium bicarbonate, because what we want for the cofactor magnesium is the bicarbonate. Oh, okay. And that's what's getting the magnesium into the mitochondria, which is really, really cool. Um, Do you think that's also at play if you make your own magnesium bicarbonate? You know, yes, you can get the, yes. the soda water and you can like make your own? Mm-hmm, totally. And that's why magnesium bicarbonate, um, for anyone that doesn't know, you can take a little, um, typically use like crucial four powder um, magnesium carbonate. And you mix it with soda water, use like a soda stream, and you make magnesium bicarbonate. I got to do that. Dude, that's like 50, yeah. 52% bioavailable, Damn which it. is like the- I used yeah, to order the, the, the bottles from Pristine Hydro, like mm-hmm. pre-made, you know? <laughs> it's just like ridiculously expensive <laughs> and really expensive to ship because they're so heavy, like glass bottles. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, like Matt and other people said, dude, you can make this for like five cents. Yeah, legit. Know? And legit. I just like, I don't know why I have this resistance to buying a soda machine. I feel like it's going to blow up or it's going to be hard to make or something. So I got to get on that. Yeah, totally. And then, so the bicarbonate's great. It gets more into the mitochondria. And then the third cofactor is, I know we were talking about a little bit before, but the boron, the sodium borate, um, which is a powerful, one of the most powerful antioxidants on planet Earth. And it's fascinating how it isn't talked about more, especially in the health space for all the benefits that it has. One is an antioxidant, which again, helps level lower levels of oxidative stress in the body naturally by definition. And that's going to help with our magnesium because the oxidative stress is what's burning the magnesium, right? So it actually helps keep magnesium in the cells longer as a result, which is a really, really cool thing. Obviously, there's so many benefits of boron um, that I'm sure we can dive into as well, but it's great. We're soaking in it right now, dude. So even there's a lot of studies with transdermal boron within seven days of use. Like if you were to soak your feet in this stuff for like seven days straight, there's a lot of studies that show it over doubles your free testosterone levels. Wow, just that's wild. Just, yeah, when I saw that in the uh, in the ingredients of the Vitality salts, I was wondering about, and I haven't looked too deeply into this, but there are issues uh, with things like nanotechnology, nanobots, spike proteins, graphene oxide, stuff that's being sprayed in the sky, stuff that people are unwittingly injecting into themselves because they're scared to get a flu. Um, etc. And so there's some maybe kooks or maybe geniuses, time will tell online, that are advocating the use of borax, like what you would use to clean a tub, which is some form of boron. Mm-hmm. And that if you take baths in this borax or even drink it, that it has the ability to neutralize the spike proteins and the nanobots and 
graphene oxide and all this nasty stuff. Is that something you've looked into at all? A and B, is the boron in here like the same form that would be in a powdered borax or is it a different form? Yeah, good question. Um, yeah, I, I wonder if uh, they're onto something. <laughs> Knowing the power of boron, I, I wouldn't doubt it. But um, yeah, so borax is like 12% typically. I mean, you can get borax at like a dollar store. Like, um, it's like mule team borax. Right. Um, it's like 12%. That's the boron. one everyone recommends. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting because that's like 12% boron. What all these people in this community is touting is the benefits of the borax, of the boron itself, right? So right. sodium borate is the, the chemical formula there. So for me, I'm not about diving uh, into the laundry detergent in my bathtub. <laughs> <That's 'cause, laughs> you know, it's, a, it's a cheaply made formula and okay. there's, there's a lot of sketching, uh, like, like we talked about the mercury and other tainted okay. substances in there. But they, I believe they are into something and that would be with the sodium borate, which is the boron there, the pure boron, not Got with it. all the, the 88% other added ingredients in there. Right, so whatever is the, the constituents that make it into a white powder or dissolve in water, mm -hmm. there's other stuff in there basically. Totally, okay. yeah. yeah. So in this, it's just the pure boron. It's not the, the borax, which is the laundry detergent. It has all the other mixes in there. Okay. But dude, I'm sure there's still plenty of benefits there. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. At one point, I was making the borax solution, the water and drinking it and stuff uh, mm -hmm. in the, in the, in, at some point early in the pandemic because... I don't know if people were shedding on me or what was going on. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Let's get in. Let's get into floating. Let's um, do it, so we all these different ways to get magnesium in your body. The foot baths. You've got these incredible salts that are well sourced, and you put together a really cool formula. But what, of course, I really wanted to talk about um, at depth was floating man which i'm a, a huge fan of i've been doing it for many years not as often as i would like it's always been a dream of mine to get set up at home with a float tank if i had one at home which i will someday i'm gonna get one of your freaking tanks one of these days yes, sir. Um, we'll go look at the garage and see if i'm dreaming or if i actually have room for yeah, one but i feel like i would do it at least once if not twice a week like i would find the time because i find time to meditate i do all kinds of other things to take care of myself there's nothing to me that alleviates stress like a float. So let's go back. Uh, I think a great place to start. Some people will have floated, will be somewhat familiar. Some people are like, what are you guys even talking about? So we'll try and give a, a sort of blanket overview for people. Take us back to the history of it and John C. Lilly and all of the crazy shit that went on in the beginning of, of the, uh, the float um, industry, essentially. Yeah, happy to, man. Yeah. Once a week, once a week is great. I'm, uh, dude, I, I hit up Kuya yesterday. Dude, that center was was awesome. It's great, right? Yeah, it was yeah. Really, really shout cool out to Kuya. There. Anyone visiting Austin, definitely incredible facility, community center, floats, ice baths, saunas, all the things. Yeah, they got like three tanks down there. So, actually, I hit a sesh um, as I try to every single day. Um, Really? It was just different being out of Hawaii. And, you float every day? Yeah, yeah man. For oh sure. God. Dude, I haven't yet today, but yes, we got You're living the dream, bro. No doubt. Dude, especially in Hawaii. For anyone that doesn't know, too, we're in the middle of a cross-country move from Oahu, Hawaii, the tropics down there. We were living in a self-sustaining farm right at the base of this juicy volcano. And, uh, dude, it was incredible. Just soaking up all the skills there. And uh, you met Sammy a little bit earlier, too, but having a six-year-old there and doing the unschooling with her and teaching her all the things and all the adventures. It was, it was a really, really cool process, dude. So we're in the middle of a move now. So I haven't been able to float every day past couple of days, but poked in there. 
But for anyone that doesn't know, floating is really a powerful healing tool that's totally been exploding, especially on the West Coast and Europe the past 10 to 20 years. And really floating involves usually getting in a big egg-shaped hot tub type tank, usually with the lid over the top. But you may have seen some of the, the tanks in our site where we have the open, open tank styles as well, which is cool. But inside this tank is one of the most unique healing environments on the face of planet Earth, hands down. Because inside this tank, you got 10 inches of water. But these 10 inches of water are super saturated with over a thousand pounds of therapeutic grade magnesium salts. Commonly Epsom salts, um, unless they're filled with our vitality salts, of course. But even the benefits of Epsom salts alone have been well known and well documented for hundreds of years at this point. Right? So it's not just that, but this creates an extremely buoyant saltwater solution. So buoyant for anyone that's listening, you can literally take a bowling ball, put it in the water, and it would easily float to the top like a cork. Right? So this is a unique environment. It enables effortless floating, truly. But it isn't just the 1,000 pounds of magnesium salts that makes this environment so unique. Because inside this chamber, it's also totally void of all sensory inputs altogether. Meaning that in one of these tanks, as you know, there's no light in these things. Not even a single photon of light. There's no sound. Because not only is the tank itself sound resistant, but the user's also wearing earplugs. There's no smells. There's no taste. There's no movement. There's no speech. And there's not even a sensation of touch inside the chamber because the saltwater solution and the air inside the tank is precisely heated and kept at a constant 94 degrees Fahrenheit. And what's so magical about 94.5 is it's the exact same temperature as the external layer of your skin or your epidermis. Um, yeah, so they got the air and the water, same temperature as the skin. So usually what happens in the first session or two is the user's brain begins to lose sensation and awareness of where their body ends and where the water begins, which can lead to profound spiritual, uh, oftentimes life-changing experiences inside the tank that I'm sure we'll get into. But uh, yeah, ultimately flowing is easy as getting inside the tank, laying back and floating. What if you had a way to structure the water you drink so that it powerfully benefits the brain by calming your brain waves almost instantly? When you drink water that's properly structured, the left and right hemispheres of the brain interconnect and enter a state of coherence. And this makes complete sense when you consider that 99% of the molecules in your brain are water. Well, I recently stumbled upon a company called Analemma Water, and they created a quartz wand that's been proven to dramatically improve the structure of water in seconds. And once it's treated, it lasts years. There are other ways to structure water, but the problem is that it doesn't stick. Once the water is exposed to EMF radiation or other negative influences, it goes back to its chaotic state. So I treat all of the water we, our pets, and even houseplants drink with the Analemma wand. It's just incredibly cool. And if you want a detailed and scientific explanation of exactly how it works, give a listen to episode 431, where the inventors break down all the research and science on this thing. It's pretty incredible. In the meantime, get yourself one at analemmawater.com and use the code LUKE5 to get 5% off your purchase. Again, that's A-N-A-L-E-M-M-A, analemmawater.com. What are the origins of floating? From my understanding, which I'm sure is limited, it was invented or at least made popular by this guy named John C. Lilly, and I've read about him and his unique approach to science and life. 
in, in many different sources, like in the uh, pioneering psychedelic um, kind of circles, he's known there. And of course, he's known in the float world. But I think he was a really interesting guy. I don't know how much you know about him, but maybe if you could tell us what you know about his research and how he was involved in floats and then people can go learn more on their own. Because I've heard some crazy shit about him, like taking acid, going in a float tank and putting a dolphin in a tank next to him and trying to telepathically <laughs> communicate with him. Just crazy shit. I don't know how much of it is true. but Dude, you haven't done that yet? No, I'm working on it. I've got to get a dolphin into the garage when I get a tank. So what do you know about this, this cat? Yeah, so I've I studied him a good amount. He's quite the character for sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, but really at the root of it, there was a debate going on in the 1950s, like 40s, 50s, um, between physicists and philosophers. And really they were trying to debate on the origin of human consciousness, right? So what makes a human being conscious and aware at all, right? So many of them believed what it came down to, the theory that they were testing, um, that John C. Lilly was testing as well, was they believed that the only reason that we're conscious and aware right now in this moment is because our brain is being stimulated from external stimulation. And as a result of the stimulation, it's lighting up different lobes of our brain and giving us this conscious experience that we're so blessed to be experiencing right now in this moment. Um, so John C. Lilly wanted to test this theory ultimately, and he ended up creating this perfect environment, this theoretical environment to block out all sensory inputs altogether. And that's kind of where the float tank was originally born, um, which is really cool. Wow. Uh, and did, did you hear of him taking LSD in, in the float tanks? Yeah, among, among many, <laughs> many <laughs> substances. Yeah, dude, he was, uh, he was a big ketamine guy from, from my research huh. as well. And Interesting. LSD in there. But even to date, it's fascinating. His research was government funded as well. So they were able to take it and do some things that like uh, float with dolphins, <laughs> things that other people may not have been able to do. Yeah, I, be I believe he took his tank, one of his chambers, his sensory deprivation tank, which at the time was totally different. It, it looked like you weren't laying down in it at all and it didn't have any salt in it at all. It was just water. Oh, interesting. You actually got in it from the top. It looks more like one of those uh, magician escape tanks. Oh. You know, we pop in, you wear like yeah. a whole, uh, like an astronaut helmet right there. You pop oh, in, interesting. You mm. But what he ended up doing... He ended up taking one of his tanks and installing it above a dolphin pool, right? And floating there regularly and definitely mixing it with some psychoactive substances on occasion, as we do. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so LSD and ketamine in particular. But the research, what came out about his research was he was able to build this relationship with the dolphins and ultimately totally decipher what the dolphins were saying to each other and how they were trying to communicate with him. And he's made some of the most profound research to date on dolphin communication with human beings. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. What a fascinating cat. I remember when I was a kid in the 70s, there was a film called Altered States and it was sort of a psychological thriller. And, I, you know, of course, I didn't know about him at the time, but uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think that film was loosely based on 
him and his work and it didn't go well in the film i mean it was kind of a gnarly film but <laughs> it, it involved you know float tanks and lsd and you know mind control mk ultra kind of shit or whatever it was i mean i haven't seen it since i was a kid in the 70s but um yeah it's interesting to think it's been around that long um another thing that i heard is i always wondered when this started becoming popular i guess maybe 10, 15 years ago or something, I started, I learned about floats and started doing it and it was relatively obscure. There were very few places that you could do it. Even in LA, I think there was two, two locations where you could float. It's wild, dude. And so I was like, okay, if this was happening and, you know, gaining popularity in the 60s and then into the 70s among certain circles and there were more people manufacturing these tanks, those Samadhi tanks, you know, mm -hmm. those metal kind of coffin ones and they were out there and then it just disappeared. And I heard somewhere that um, the popularity subsided when the AIDS epidemic happened like in the early 80s and people didn't want to go get in water that someone else had been in in fear of getting AIDS or something like that. Do you think there's any truth to them, you know, the float tanks popularity getting stymied by that period? Is there any truth to that? Yeah, I, I believe so. And I, I think not unsimilar to... Well, let's just say this. Um, yeah, definitely a connection there for sure. But with that, I do believe that there was some, um, much like we see today with COVID, um, some potential governmental influence to try to get people off of floating as it was gaining popularity. You know, much like they do with the psychedelics and other things like that as well. But AIDS epidemic was just a powerful tool to be able to uh, stifle that for sure. But yeah, I mean, naturally, people kind of have that in the back of their head. They don't want to be bathing in water that someone else has been bathing in, even if it was just one other person, you know? Yeah, um, so, Under understandably so. Yeah, I mean, totally. I've I've tried to bring people to floats. <laughs> you know, some people have objected for that reason. Oh, that's gross. What if somebody peed in that water? Their pubes are floating around in your face, whatever. And I try to explain, <laughs> no, the water's like really filtered. How do you guys do the, the filtration in your in your tanks for, I mean, obviously if you're using it at home, you just want to prevent, you know, any bacteria stuff. Say mm -hmm. if you're just the only person using it, you'd still want to sterilize the environment, right? But yeah. for someone who has a center, what kind of longevity, I mean, speaking to the ones you make specifically, if someone wanted to open a center and have four more float tanks in there, like how is the water cleaned in between users and how many times can it be clean in a day and kind of all that stat, mm -hmm. all the stats on that part. Totally. Yeah, happy to dive into it. Um, yeah, so basically, as soon as a floater leaves the float tank, they leave the float tank and the owner of the center, or if it's a residential unit, they'll just pop on their phone. And it's a button on their phone that will turn the filtration system on. And immediately, every single molecule of that saltwater solution will begin getting pumped and filtered through, well, first off, a micron filter. And then it's blasted with ultraviolet purification. So UV light and ozone purification, right? So every single molecule of this water is getting passed through a micron filter, UV light, it's getting ozonated, it's going through hair traps before it goes back into the tank. And even when it's back in the tank, one, just about nothing can live in a solution that, that, that is that extremely saline already. It's over two, nearly three times as buoyant as the Dead Sea. Um, oh really which is fascinating and nothing does anything in the grow in the dead sea i guess that's why they call it dead right? yeah not much <laughs> is there any <laughs> not much is there any there, algae dude? or sea life in in that thing at dude all, i right? don't believe so i think it's pretty void of life in photos it looks like 
an episode of Star Trek on a planet where there's no life. You know? Totally, totally. Yeah, similar to the... So you can imagine the float tank that's two or three times more concentrated than that. Nothing's living in there already. But even if there was the chemical disinfectants also in there, which you don't use like chlorine or bromine or anything like that. Although if you operate a center, you definitely can. We supply the food grade hydrogen peroxide. So 35% peroxide, dose it up and you're ready to rock. So wow. yeah, after a session, that just filters usually at least 15 minutes. And in 15 minutes, it will filter every single molecule of water over a dozen times through that system. So by the time the next client comes in, even just 20 minutes later, that water's literally cleaner than new for the next person. Like, oh, wow. Like literally. And how often would one need to change the water um, out and like get all new salt and all the stuff in a residential or commercial um, application? Yeah. So we've had centers that float eight plus floaters a day per tank, right? So imagine eight floaters in a tank. They filter it for 15 to 30 minutes in between each client. They go and they've been able to maintain the same exact original saltwater solution with our filtration systems. Keep in mind, when I first got into the industry, the, the answer to that question would have been every 30 days, they have to filter it out. Oh, damn. Which, dude, keep in mind, and then buy a thousand pounds of salt. Which again? is like 1800 bucks. Oh, wow. You know, so that's like an investment. Plus, you got to mix it, which is right. tough to dissolve a mound of salt this high in this much water you know it takes hours <laughs> really yeah dude that's copious amounts of work how how do you get the salt to melt in that little uh volume of water do we tried all sorts of things we even tried like like a cement mixer <laughs> just to save time on the installs yeah. maybe like we're back to back and installs flying around and stuff and we're like all right where's like a cement mixer <laughs> just like do it automatically but most of the time i just end up popping in there one of our team members with a broom um, like a like a, a deck broom, like a yeah. rubber broom, and just going to town, bro. For, really, like, for like That's... hours, and then you get it to a point where you can turn the filter on. It will kind of ah, cycle okay. the rest. Wow, does it help if the water's kept warm? It it does originally, uh -huh. but then the magnesium and the Epsom salts. There's like this thermogenic reaction where when it's mixed with the hot water, the Epsom salts dissolving sucks out the heat. So you could put literally boiling water, 200 degree water in to mix this stuff. And within a second, it's just sucked really? all of the energy out of that water. That's crazy. Yeah. So the, the idea here is you want to have the air temperature, the water temperature, the same as your skin, right? So that you're losing the sensation of having a body. How do you achieve that and maintain it for someone that wants to do a longer float? I've gone to centers before and experienced if I do say a 90 minute float, which is my preference, I would say at a minimum, um, in some chambers, the air starts to get cold after an hour. And then I start to, I'm bummed out. Cause like now I know I have a body. Like how, do, how did you master getting the water and the air to stay, to maintain a temperature like that? Yeah, totally. I think for starters, it's interesting because that, that's definitely uh, something we see in the industry, which is unfortunate because it does, the tail end of those sessions, sometimes you catch them cold. But really the key with ours is, one, the insulation of the chambers, and then two, the shape of the chamber as well, um, where it's precisely like it's narrow enough. It's, not, it's spacious on the inside, but it's compact enough that it... it it's really great at just maintaining the temperature and not having too much air kind of escape out. 
um, through the sides as well. So I, I say the insulation's really the biggest All piece right. there. And then what about if it's in an ambient environment that's already really hot? Like I'm thinking about getting one in my garage and right now there's no climate control out there. And so it's probably 105 degrees on average mm-hmm. in that garage, which I learned from having my hyperbaric oxygen chamber in there. And then I would get in there and it was like taking a sauna oh, I bet. when you're not trying to. So I, I had bet. to move it inside the house and it's unsightly and bulky and kind of sucks. So I'm working on getting my garage like outfitted to where I can control the temperature, or at least have giant fans or something. Mm-hmm. Um, is your temperature control possible in a hot room or do you need to have the room, you know, at 70 degrees or something in order to maintain the proper temperature inside? Yeah, totally. So with the pods, with the open float tanks, which look just more like a big open or really like a small pool, maybe the size of one of these rugs, like 10 by 10, roughly. For those, if you're putting into a room, definitely requires some some more HVAC and build-out and stuff like that. Um, it's still equally sensory deprivation with the open float tanks, which is a common misconception. It's just an open float tank, but now there's a heating panel that we supply that we install on the ceiling. So it's kind of maintaining that temperature between the floater's belly and the, the ceiling there as well. And then the room would just be sensory deprived. There's no windows in the room or, or no light leaking in or anything like that. Um, then to answer your question, like I'm out, I was out in Massachusetts for a while and I got a garage in my tank, which I'll warn you, dude, if you end up getting one of these things, it quickly became my new bed. <laughs> right. Uh, so right. talk about the 90 minute floats where it starts getting cool at the end. I'm in a garage in Massachusetts in the winter, ripping out all nighter floats. Um, really? Yeah, bro. Yeah. You then, stay in there all night? Dude, that's the way to do it. The, oh my it's God. The, it's the John C. Lilly way. <laughs> oh my God. Well, that's, that's, Speaking of that, um, you know, the duration, thinking about his experiments with LSD, I mean, as a kid, when I was young and dumb, I used to take acid to go do something fun. Like I'm, once in San Francisco, we went to the Pink Floyd um, laser show at the Laserium or whatever. And it sounded like a great idea. And it was. It was awesome. <laughs> the only thing is the laser show is fucking 45 minutes and the acid trip is 10 hours. <laughs> and, you know, so we come out of there and we're like, what do we do now? We're supposed to drive cars around the, the hills of San Francisco? Total nightmare. Um, <laughs> so you really, you know, depending on what psychedelic you're working with, uh, the duration could be a consideration. But maybe not in the case of if you're acclimated to floating for a long period of time and you're in... Um, a tank that can actually maintain the temperature so it doesn't get uncomfortable. Totally. And you don't got to worry about it. It's a cool thing about it versus some of the plant medicines where uh, I'm sure we'll touch on it, but the states in particular, the brain states that we're achieving inside of sensory deprivation are eerily similar to the heightened states of consciousness that people are receiving or achieving with these plant medicines. Um, which is an Tell inter- interesting that. place are to, you, are, to take it. Has that been studied that people are going into high gamma or crazy interesting um, novel brainwave states? Big time. And then that's one of the things that we talk about John C. Lilly. We've hooked up fMRIs to floaters' brains nowadays and they were doing scans on him back then. And what they saw, so so many of the physicists and philosophers expected that when he went into the sensor-deprived environment that his brain would almost totally dim out. Right? That's what they were testing. But what they found was that his brain actually lit up. Again, many parts of his brain dimmed out, like the amygdala, the fight or flight center of the brain, which is why it's being so extremely effective for um, killing or decreasing levels of anxiety or depression or helping steer people off of addictive pharmaceuticals like 
opioids and Xanax and things like that. Um, but with that being said, th they also saw so many parts of his brain light up like a Christmas tree where they're seeing really what they saw was the left side of the brain, logic, and right side of the brain, more creativity typically. And typically these parts of the brain, as you know, work more interdependently, more by themselves. But within 15 minutes of entering the float tank, these two hemispheres of the brain actually began synchronizing and harmonizing in unison. Um, and when this happens, you have both hemispheres of the brain working together. This is oftentimes what's happening with a whole, many different parts of the brain that weren't connecting or contacting before. Um, that's what we see with much of the psilocybin mushroom research as well. So all these parts of the brain start communicating with each other. They enter these heightened states of consciousness, which is what's happening when these two lobes of the brain begin harmonizing together. It's called the flow state typically. But uh, that's definitely responsible for many of the heightened states of awareness and consciousness people are achieving inside the flow tank. Wow, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely true that when I started floating, I was at that point in my life definitely not working with psychedelics or anything. I was extremely sober. <laughs> and that's one of the things I really liked about floating is it was, it's like every once in a while in a deep meditation, because I'd been meditating for years at that point, every once in a while you really hit that sweet spot where things get kind of dreamy and you start getting these creative ideas or you're, you know, healing micro traumas and just kind of off-gassing stress essentially, right? But you can get into some pretty deep spaces and I really love that. Um, so I think that's a really useful part of floating for people that have no interest in or for, for whatever reason, just don't want to use those kind of expanded, artificially induced expanded states of consciousness where in a float, it's totally endogenous. Like everything that's happening is happening within, within your uh, consciousness and mind. It's like these... Um, these uh, darkness retreats that people are doing now and people have like full DMT trips from just being alone in quiet darkness for a few days or however long they do it. You know, really? like Aubrey was telling me, he's like, oh, it was like more powerful than ayahuasca mm. just to shut your, you know, all senses down for a period of time. And next mm. thing you know, you're like tripping balls just off the chemicals that your own brain produces. Yeah, totally. Like you say, yeah, Aubrey in particular, I know we said, by day two, like you mentioned, a full-blown ayahuasca experience. It's because what we see inside the float tank is a steady... So when we're totally deprived or separated from stimulation, our brain has access to this pharmacopoeia or much more easier access to this whole pharmacopoeia that we have inside of us. So maybe people that aren't looking to... For me, because I, I had experimented with or had my first experience with psilocybin mushrooms before floating. I was at a, at a young age, I believe I was 16 at the time. And after that, I was getting so many benefits from that and those heightened states of awareness and consciousness that I kind of started to look for other ways to achieve or tap into those heightened states of consciousness and awareness without the need for those catalysts, as you talked about. And floating for me, dude, I was in, I think it was my third float session and I was in the float tank and I experienced those hemispheres of my brain starting to synchronize there. And for me, it felt eerily similar, almost, almost exactly like a microdose of psilocybin. That was back then on just my third session. I started to feel this synchronization there and this whole experience and my heart started opening up in this crazy way. Um, and at the same time, I was just buzzing with this sensation of relaxation and pure inner peace 
that I hadn't experienced before in my entire life. <laughs> uh, so I knew there was something to it there. And maybe I wasn't able to get my mom or my grandma to pop LSD or sit in an ayahuasca ceremony, <laughs> you know? But it was a much lower barrier to entry to kind of get them into the float tank, just let them to lay in this body of salt water for a prolonged period of time. And as they started to doing that, and as I started doing it more too, um, my heart just started opening up more and started realizing more parts of myself and doing more shadow work and being able to integrate more aspects of myself as well. And it's been a, been a really powerful piece of my journey. All right, lifestylists, I've got an insanely cool resource for you. It's a breathwork app called Othership. And uh, I got to say, I am really into this thing. I've been doing breath work for ages, but to be honest, if I really want to do some deep work, it's much more difficult to do without guidance. I mean, it's not called breath work for nothing, right? It takes some discipline, but much less so with a killer soundscape and expert guide leading you. With over 500 custom guided breathwork sessions, the Othership Breathwork app lets you access an on-demand library of sessions to help you regulate your nervous system and take your consciousness to the next level. The Othership journeys are science-backed and very music-driven, so whether you have time to practice for one minute or 60, you're going to feel an emotional shift when you need it most. Another cool thing about Othership is that they have sessions for the beginner to the most advanced practitioner, and some of the longer sessions are downright psychedelic, only legal and safe. And to start 2023 off with a bang, they just launched a 31-day guided cold plunge challenge on the app. It's got 31 custom breathwork sessions for the cold plunge, to empower people to build a cold practice to maximize the mental, physical, and emotional health benefits available from consistent cold exposure. So you can play it to cool down in an ice bath or your bathtub, shower, or your favorite cold body of water. To get you started with Othership, we've got you hooked up with a free trial for the whole month of January. Just visit othership.us slash Luke to activate your account. This is an incredible tool, you guys, and one that is long overdue. Again, to try it out this month for free, go to othership.us slash Luke. So you've had um, experiences where there's a psychological healing. You know, you're, you mentioned shadow work, so you're able to go into the subconscious and work things out. What have been some of those experiences? What, what have some of those experiences been like? Like, what have you realized about yourself or healed to whatever degree you feel like sharing? I know these are intimate experiences, but I think it could be useful for people that want to find, you know, natural means by which they can um, follow suit and heal themselves as well. For sure. Yeah. Happy to, man. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Dude. There's so many. Even yesterday, I know we were talking uh, pre-camera too. Some of the stuff that we've been been working through. Um, we so yesterday during my float session, some of that was coming up, which we're making into down the road. But one that is coming up that I feel called to share was when I was born. I was diagnosed with a degenerative neuromuscular disease called Charcot Marie Tooth or CMT for short. And really what it does is what we see over time, I know you talked about when I was joking about bringing the, the foot soaks over for life. I forget what you call them, the, the corn knuckle toes. <laughs> corn nuts. Dude, that was hilarious. For, for like was dying. The, the yellow thick toenails. Yeah, that's disgusting. <laughs> I'm so glad no one on camera can see at least dude, my toes. I don't know how yours are looking. But. Dude, not much better, but we'll yeah. have to do something about it. So, oh, God. So yeah, I'm a lifelong martial artist at the, the root of it. So my, my nails are all beat up and everything as well. But. A lot of kicking stuff for 
a lot of yeah. years. Yeah. yeah, dude, like a lot of uh, a lot of Muay Thai, like uh, okay. teaching Muay Thai for um, better part of fifteen years now as well. But so my parents got me into martial arts when I was four, and they were hoping that getting me involved in the martial arts. The reason they did was they were looking to kind of relax my symptoms or help with my symptoms of CMT. So they're hoping for like the, the helping with my balance, my muscle strength, and coordination stuff like that. So martial arts seemed to be a good fit. And thankfully, I stuck with it. But, uh, but really what CMT does, it attacks your peripheral nerves, right? At your extremities. And then in the Western world, it's known to have no cure and um, there's no pharmaceuticals for it. And there's no possible way of reversing it, they'll tell you, and things like this. And it's a fairly common ailment. We're talking one in 2,500 people suffer from Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease. What happens is over time, so it runs in my family, it's a 50-50 chance, they say, genetically, that offspring will get it. But over time, it just atrophies up your system until it begins to attack your respiratory system, right? Whoa. Uh, which is a, a deep one um, and not doesn't sound very enjoyable. <laughs> and yeah, so that was a big part of my healing journey as well was working to heal myself and my family because I look at the older generations and they're in wheelchairs and stuff by 30, 35, you know, um, sometimes sooner. So martial arts, no doubt helped that. And I knew it was helping me, but in one of my float sessions a couple of years back, this is interesting. I was laying in the float tank and I was doing this meditation I do on occasion where I kind of just let my mind run rampant, kind of like a dog off the leash for like 20, 25 minutes at the start of the session. And I'm just laying there and connecting with my inner witness and just witnessing these thoughts kind of blow by like the wind per se, aiming not to get too attached to them. Although naturally some of them will grab you in and give you a whirl for a second or two. Um, and I was just noticing the ones that grabbed me. And one of the ones that grabbed me was I noticed a thought of judgment go by inside the float tank. And normally in everyday life, I wouldn't have even have noticed this thought of judgment likely go by. It's so subtle, but inside the float tank, the mind's kind of amplified at times. Our interoceptive awareness is amplified. But I noticed this and what I noticed happened in my body the second that that thought transpired changed my life forever. And what I saw was as this thought of self-judgment went by, it was over like something I'd said in conversation earlier in the day. It's like a subtle, subtle thought. But I noticed in my body this tension that I began to hold, almost as tense up in my extremities, in my calves, in my feet, and in my hands. And what I was doing now, um, I, a term that resonates with me is pulling my consciousness away from my extremities or these external limbs. So as a result of the judgment, right? So what happens, and even if we look at the judge and what it is, that inner critic, what it is, it's established to be just a little bit harsher than our harshest critic in the external world, okay? So a little bit harsher than the harshest critic in the external world. Typically, it's developed at a young age. So typically, this judge is being absorbed or a reflection of our parents this parenting style, okay? So if we take me, for example, I was a young boy and had a super open heart, um, a lot of love to, to give with the world. And um, as a result of the, these judges, and they're doing the best they can, no shame on them, you know, it's just something my inner critic absorbed. I began to judge myself extra hard. And as this judge would happen, I would hold it in my extremities 
stopping the flow of consciousness and ATP and these natural energy channels from flowing freely. Makes sense? Mm-hmm. So I was stopping and almost holding this energy in my hands and my feet. And uh, really, once I noticed that, I was able to, inside the float tank, do more of the shadow work, like we say, work with this judge to kind of send it more, more love and compassion and unconditional love to kind of relax him and help integrate him while at the same time integrating more practices to help release some of that loving energy, you know, whether it's breath work or martial arts is a great one for it. And that's why it helped me so much. One of the reasons that I get to let the, let those hands fly, let the energy out, you know, the kicks get to let that energy out. I'm not storing it in my system, blocking and siphoning it off anymore. You know, whether it's breath work, one, maybe anyone listening to this knows someone with CMT or a similar um, muscular dystrophy. One of the largest antidotes and one that's helped a lot is just giving more hugs. You know, just letting that love flow and sharing more of that love with the world has been really, really cool. But as I've been able to calm that judge, I've seen an incredible decrease in my symptoms of CMT as a result. And that wouldn't have happened if I didn't float regularly and wasn't as acutely aware of those unconscious thoughts. Wow. That's powerful. Damn. That's crazy what you can do when you give your your mind, body awareness space to work itself out (laughs) it's like sometimes just slowing down stopping looking inside you find answers that's very cool um you mentioned uh breath work do you ever do you know of people who practice breath work in a float that's something that i've never done i don't know why i feel like Maybe if I passed out, I'd be afraid I was going to flip over <laughs> my stomach and like drown. I don't know. You know, sometimes breath work can get pretty crazy too on its own. Is that something that you ever mix or recommend people explore? Totally, dude. I think, again, it's one of the perfect environments for breath work because those levels of interoceptive awareness, introspective awareness skyrocket, right? So I'm not, there's nothing to be aware of in the external world. My brain's infinitely looking for some sort of stimulation, stimuli in the external world, and it infinitely cannot find one. So as a result, it takes all that consciousness and brain power and shines it inward. And now what we see usually, if anyone's looking to kind of hear what to expect for their first float or anything like that, not that we like to give any expectations or anything like that. Um, But one thing we for sure can expect is an increased level of introspective awareness where now, how this has helped me is helped me develop a more intimate connection with my heart and my heartbeat and my breathing and my lungs. So you can hear it so loudly inside the tank and feel it so loudly. Even yesterday, I was exploring again. Um, we actually had our little six-year-old do do her first float yesterday. Too. Really? Yeah, which is awesome, dude. She's been wow. She's been petrified of the dark for like her whole life, but really something we've been working on, especially yeah. in Hawaii, was just conquering fears and conquering fears. So. Whether it was jumping off cliffs or snorkeling with sharks in the the wild or whatever it was, we we've been on a carried some good momentum towards that, and the float tank was uh, a, a natural next do? step. Dude, she loved it. That's it, it, crazy it, that it's it just good. you know that it took six years. You being like Mister Float, you know, did you offered it to her before, and she was just not having it, or yeah, it's interesting. So I've actually only been in her life for. Um, about two years. She's not. She's my, ah, my okay. stepdaughter. It's okay. not not biological. Ah, uh, got it. Yeah. So 
even I mean even two years is impressive <laughs> impressively long but I think it was because she had so much fear around the dark due to traumas at a at a younger age as well so been doing a lot of that on a nightly basis we constantly flip the lights off in the room just sit there for five minutes or so and hold hands and um and meditate and focus on the breath and things like that but yeah, it was just, yeah, so now she had went in, she had actually floated with Mila, my girlfriend, and uh, yeah, she had an awesome float, dude. It was really cool. Wow. I think she... Oh, that's she, so awesome. Dude, I, I think she she got out after like 20 minutes because she was starting to burn down self. <laughs> so, so she was like, ah, oh, my butt's burning. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Oh, you better. She's, she's, yeah, like, she's a cutie, man. So adorable. Yeah, I mean, that's wild, you know, something that's really interests me is all these tools that that folks like us have at our disposal now thinking about how different a kid's life can be if you have a parent that's a nut like we are with this shit i mean just in this house alone if i had a kid i mean they would be having a very different child they will hopefully you know we're we're calling that in but they're gonna have a very different childhood than your average kid right they're big time then you know jumping in the sauna and ice bath and hyperbaric and the hypnagogic lights and pmf and float tanks and all this kind of stuff i mean it's 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 going to be really interesting to see this generation of kids who are around parents that are doing all this and breath work and meditation and mm-hmm. turning the lights out and praying together and meditating as a family this kind of thing it's it's just it's not the norm you know uh but there perhaps at some point will be enough parents that are into all of this stuff that there will be a little micro sub generation of kids that grow up and are a bit more tapped in totally dude yeah i see it's it's fascinating i mean dude yeah whoever uh whatever soul or energy decides to come through for you guys is is gonna have it's gonna be gonna be a wild one yeah it's gonna be a wild one um so breath work is is a yes is there any record of anyone having any difficulties with uh drowning or almost drowning flipping over passing out i mean I've always felt safe in there because, I mean, you can't really flip over. The energy that it would take to exert to like get on your stomach where you could drown, like you would have to be fully awake and cognizant of the fact that you're doing that, right? Dude, yeah, I would definitely take a highly conscious effort <laughs> to, right. to flip over in that thing because, yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And you're you're the way that I guess you calculate the the buoyancy of the salt solution of the saturation there. It's always been interesting to me that it goes to just like around kind of a circle around your face where you're just your eyes, mouth and nose are out of the water and then, you know, the back of your head from the ears back are yep. in the water. Totally. Is that is that because the saturation is just right to have yeah. the buoyancy work like that? Totally. Yeah, dude. It's fast. It's yeah. It's fascinating. Like all, on the initial fill is really the only time you have to do it, but just making sure that the the buoyancy is proper. So it's like one point two five. You want the the buoyancy huh. yet? And that's um, weird that it's the same for every person. Like you could take a ninety pound person and a three hundred pound person, and you, the same buoyancy is needed for them. For their mouth and nose not to go underwater. Yeah, similar enough. Similar enough that it won't go under. So if anyone at home is listening and they, they don't have familiar with floating, really the salt water line will come up to ideally halfway in between their ears and their eyes. Right. Um, so it's literally perfect right in there. You float, half your body's in, half your body's up. Um, and again, 
there's so many benefits to that, man. So many benefits. And um, I'm sure we can dive into some of them, but yeah, break down some of them. For me, it's just, I haven't even like tracked the benefits. It's just, I feel incredibly relaxed. Um, I solve problems. I have creative ideas. It's like the deepest form of meditation possible by orders of magnitude. Yeah. You know, but I've not gone in and, you know, tried to work on anything specific necessarily. I just go in and, you know, every time, I think maybe after the first two or three times when I was getting used to it, it's always awesome for me, but um, you probably have a lot of anecdotal stories of people having breakthroughs or healings. Like what, what does this do for people? Yeah. Happy to share. Yeah. Um, so really the way, I, the way I break it down is just three main pillars of benefits that are responsible for all the profound um, healings that we're seeing in all the clinical research. So for starters, we had touched on some of them. One we hadn't really touched on though is the fact that you're laying in a zero gravity environment. And this is totally unlike laying on a bed or a mattress at the end of the night where there's thousands of springs and pain points that are cutting off your microcirculation, right? Because what happens when you enter true zero gravity environment is your blood vasculature can totally relax. And at the same time, your capillaries can totally vasodilate. So what we see as a result is this huge increase in surge in things like blood flow and oxygen flow and microcirculation to every part of the body, which is incredibly healing for literally thousands of ailments. Second, we're getting all the benefits from the sensory deprivation, which a lot of people don't recognize. And it's, I feel it's not talked about enough in the health space is the fact that two of the largest stressors to our nervous system are one, they're not even commonly looked at as stressors, but the gravitational stress, something that's coined gravitational stress, which is literally the stress of gravity yanking on your system omnipresently. Even when you're lying down. Even when you're lying down. Because anyone that's floated will know there's a huge difference between just lying on a cushy mat, mattress or pad or rug or whatever. Than in a float tank. <laughs> yeah. All right. After you float, you realize like how much work it is to actually just lay down on something. Yeah. It's weird. You have it's hard to describe. You have to experience it. Dude, it's almost like yesterday my girlfriend Mila, she was laying there and she's like, she she's it's been a been a few weeks since she's floated. And while she was in there, she's like, Wow. Like it was almost almost this kind of work for my body to really decompress like that because I've been holding so much unconscious tension. And for, for her, it's her upper back and her scapula and things like that. Um, but yeah, you can really decompress and let go of all that subconscious, unconscious tension you're holding in your system. But again, these two stressors, gravitational stress, stacked with one of the other largest stresses to our nervous system, the fact that every single second of the day, our brains are having to process over 10 million bits of sensory overstimulation every single second of the day, especially when you keep in mind that our, our conscious mind is only capable of processing between 30 and 50 bits a second, right? So if you're getting hit with 10 million bits from the light to the sound to the, the clothing and sensing where everything is, that's a huge stressor for our unconscious mind. Um, and these two stresses alone occupy over 50% of our nervous system's energy and our metabolic energy every single day. Those two stressors combined, which is fascinating. So if we're not focusing, giving ourselves a true respite from those two huge stressors to the system, we're kind of taking a roundabout way to 
optimizing our health, in my opinion. Um, but again, back to those three pillars. I digress. It's okay. <laughs> it's good. This is good stuff. <laughs> we I got love it. The zero gravity environment. Again, blood vascularization gets totally relaxed. Microcirculation. I, I bet that stuff. has. Sorry to interrupt, but I bet that has something to do with you know your. Uh, that issue that you were you're born with, right? Where you're you're not getting circulation in your extremities. That that makes perfect sense. It's so funny that you were led down this path, right? And that's such a, a rare and unique uh, challenge to have physically. And you found the one thing that's probably the best for that. <laughs> I mean, maybe hyperbarics would be good too because it mm-hmm. increases the blood flow and builds capillaries and stuff. But that's big time. Interesting side note. Big time. Yeah, and even to that to kind of build on that is like. And when you're in the tank, which goes to the second pillar, is the sensory deprivation aspect. So you're getting all the benefits from, again, getting to kind of step back from all these stressors we're constantly being bombarded with, oftentimes for the first time in our entire life, right? So you're inside this tank, there's no light, there's no sound, none of this. All these parts of your brain can totally dim out and decompress. Imagine your visual cortex is no longer having to process any photons of light, right? It usually doesn't even get that in a dark room at night. Usually there's some sort of light or moonlight shining in or something like that. Totally. The smoke alarm with that fucking little green light. (laughs) We have one of those in our room and every night I lay down and I'm like, I got to put tape on that. And then I go to sleep and I forget. It's been like, you know, six months of looking at that. It's not that bright, but still, it's not totally black in there. It's not totally dark. And I bet, because it's a little LED, I bet if you took a video of it with a slow mo, it's probably flickering. Yeah, I'm sure. Perceptually flickering too. Yep, yep. That's a good note. That those lights will get you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But inside the tank, dude. Now, really, what happens is all of your brain power and consciousness is no longer being ripped to the external world as a defense mechanism to map everything out, which is naturally a state of stress, right? So when we can now pull our awareness back into us, now our brain has so much more brain power and we as a being have so much more consciousness to put towards whatever it is we really truly have to do. And usually that's relax, recover, de-stress better than ever before, right? This increase in consciousness and brain power. But the third main pillar of benefits we touched on earlier, really the, the pillar of benefits that's captured my heart these past many years is the fact that while you're soaking in this zero gravity, sensory deprived environment, you're also soaking up magnesium transdermally through your skin, specifically the hair follicles of your skin during the entirety of every single float session. And I've heard you talk extensively on magnesium um, and its yeah, benefits. But I, I do talk about it a lot. <laughs> I mean, and thankfully, one of our sponsors—I don't know if they're a sponsor on this episode—you know, yeah. Ma- Magnesium Breakthrough, which yeah. is like the best oral magnesium that I've found so far. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I'm just—it's so annoying to me that people have all of these health problems, and a lot of it probably has to do with just low minerals or dysregulated minerals in general, but specifically, most commonly, magnesium. So. Yeah, so tell us why getting adequate magnesium is important. We kind of talked about the ways to get it, but yep. what, is it, what does it do? What's the big deal? Yeah, so many things, and, and Mag Breakthrough is great. They actually have, um, speaking of the cofactors, they mixed in one of the cofactors, which is vitamin B6. So they oh, have cool. that in there to help yourself soak up more of it. So oh, cool. a little shout out to Imagine if we could get like a 
bulk uh, mag breakthrough and put it in the, in the flow. Dude, right? <laughs> Just, you know, like not the capsules, but like a five gallon bucket of like the seven forms and the cofactors and all the things. Dude, I know, there. right? Yeah. yeah. yeah maybe we'll, we'll tag team, yeah. do something there. I mean, you know, your, your salts already, already have the magnesium inadequate yeah. amounts, you know, but Th- theirs is awesome for the oral. Um, but for transdermal, the only form magnesium, um, I've dug into the, the research extensively, even Epsom salts, right? So all the float centers that are filled their tanks with Epsom salts, Epsom salt has never been shown in not a single study to be absorbed transdermally at all. Really? At all. So that's kind of what inspired wow. me to go and go down this road because I was diving down this. Imagine me in the float industry trying to optimize the whole environment, dude, because now we have like the powerful underwater sound transducers that are transmitting frequencies into the saltwater solution, into every cell in the user's body. And now after one of our, our FaceTimes, if you remember, probably like four years back, dude, um, about float tanks, you had grilled me about, about EMF. EMF, dude. <laughs> <laughs> dude, uh, put me on the spot. I was like, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I wasn't even at Superverse at the time. Yeah. Um, that's Honestly, funny. I hadn't taken a meter to the tank. Now we've taken plenty of meters to the tank. And we ended up, after that call, my man inspired us to swap out the pump um, for a non-variable, extremely low EMF pump. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, because the pumps make a magnetic field. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the thing about anything that has a motor in it that's going to make EMF. Big time. But then it's, you know, then it's a matter of how far away it is. Like I have my... Chili Sleep Dock Pro, and it has a fan in it, and it has a cooling unit, so you'll get a magnetic field if one, two feet away, mm-hmm. but you just don't put it right next to your right bed. Your skull. You know, it's yeah. like easy, and then you just put so, the, the the RF, the Bluetooth, and Wi-Fi, you just put that on airplane mode. So there's like ways that you can hack this stuff, um, yeah. but I'm glad that you addressed it, because a lot of people manufacture really cool products in the health space, biohacking space, but then it'll either have like tons of blue light coming out of it, and you can't use it at night, or it, it makes EMF, and it's always a matter for me of kind of weighing the, I mean, if I know the founder, I'll be like, hey, dude, this is cool, but it'd be even better if you took yeah, care of this issue, but totally. then it comes down to like um, the cost-to-benefit ratio, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say you made a float tank and my head is kind of biomagnetic field because the pump's back there behind mm-hmm. me or something, right? I'm still probably going to get more systemic benefit from doing a float and being exposed for a short period of time to that EMF yep. than not doing it. So that's kind of how I, just for people listening, that's how I sort of gauge like what I'm willing to deal with um, because many of these things are going to have more benefits than they are detriments when you kind of weigh them like that. Mm-hmm. And to that end, if you get in any car, not even an electric car, but like any modern car, if you ride around in that car, you're getting exposed to more EMF than anything in your house could possibly produce, <laughs> especially magnetic fields because of the engine. I Big mean, time. the magnetic oh, yeah. field in my car like blows the meter up, wow. up to about like my chest. You know, wow. it's like such a, a big powerful field so it's like what am i gonna do not drive a car like start riding a bike around no it's you got to deal with it just whatever dude just teleport in the float tank exactly (laughs) anyway i totally i totally derailed your whole thing no no you're good man but one of the things with it after that we actually ended up a lot like loading stuffing the stuffing these things full of uh because like you said naturally a small electromagnetic field but with emf mitigating devices 
um, like the Soma Vedic and the Blue Shield we got in there. Really? Um, yeah, bro. You so built them into your tanks? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's rad. Right, right in, right in uh, under with all the other equipment really? that's in there. That's yeah. so interesting. That's so cool, dude. So I didn't know that. You got that's that benefit. Cool. So it's at least harmonizing yeah. um, a, a good chunk of that for sure. But when, whenever we take the meters to it, it's um, either zero or just about zero. Wow. That's great. super cool. I mean, that's the thing when it comes to if you can when you're designing something if if you're trying to create a healing sanctuary it would make sense to also get a bit of a break from the ambient emf even if it's not like the emf being produced by the thing itself Mm -hmm. like i have the um, sauna space sauna in the garage and the whole thing is a little faraday cage it's a faraday tent so it's like not only you not getting emf from the bulbs because the way they designed them but it's also blocking all the other EMFs. So you at least get a break for 20, 30 minutes of being yeah. in there, you know, which is cool. Dude, big time. Yeah, it's funny. I'll give a little shout out to uh, our buddy, Matt Blackburn. He has one of the sickest float tank setups that I've ever seen um, where we were installing it. Dude, he's, he's got a got a good good chunk of tanks up there. He's, he's investing in a few, but yeah, one of the ones we just installed, it's a totally open float pool. So he's the open float pool and he built out this room specifically for it where the room is totally EMF shielded with the, oh, nice. the, the paint. Yeah. Room. I forget yeah. what, forget what y it is. Yeah, paint. Y shield. Uh-huh. Um, but they got the Y shield paint over the tile. And so you go into this room, dude, it's just this quiescent environment of no sensory input at all while at the same time totally escaping the EMFs. Uh, as well. So after that, that really it. inspired me. I was like, dude, I got to get these these devices in the tank and yeah. really, really make sure because I felt the difference in there. You're up there, especially in northern Idaho. And, right. Um, yeah, it was really, That's really cool. That's funny because his environment up there is probably really low EMF anyway in terms of cell towers and stuff like that around, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's like I, I've noticed just as a rule of thumb, the fewer people there are anywhere, the lower the EMF is going to be. Yeah, and it gets exponentially lower the further away from city centers and and stuff you get, which is one of the many reasons I don't live in Austin. We live like out of ways, and <laughs> we we EMF tested this neighborhood before we bought the house because I didn't want to live somewhere that was close to a cell tower. You know, I, I believe you. There's one place <laughs> in there's one like uh, area. I think it's in West Virginia. Where it's there's a big telescope or something there, and so they have this area of land, and people live within this area where there's there's no EMF. There's wow. you, you can't have cell towers or wow. anything in there because it interferes with the instruments of these, you know, whatever. Yeah, I forget what it's called, but it's a, it's a real thing. There's like a, a town or a couple towns within this geographic area where there's no EMF, and I always thought I'm going to move there. To get that in the bucket list. Yeah, huh? totally. No more cell phones. You know, none of the shit. Uh, I guess you could have Wi-Fi in your house, but yeah, at least no cell towers. Dude, that's great. All right, y'all. We thrived right on through 2022, perhaps the weirdest year to date. And after the end of year work obligations and holiday family fun, it's easy to start the new year stressed, worn out, and lacking motivation, which is definitely not the way we want to start the new year. So if you're feeling like you need a holiday from the holidays, I have a perfect solution. Do yourself a favor and start taking magnesium breakthrough every night before you go to bed. I do this daily and I don't plan on stopping ever. Why is that? Well, because stress depletes your magnesium levels, and magnesium is critical for getting deep and restorative sleep. And the reason Magnesium Breakthrough is so effective is that it's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium, all in each pill. 
And trust me, when you get all seven critical forms of magnesium, that's when the magic happens. Pretty much every function in your body gets upgraded from your sleep to your brain, from stress to pain and even inflammation. And even better, by making magnesium breakthrough part of your daily routine, you're going to wake up fully rested, recharged and ready to crush all of your New Year's resolutions. So for an exclusive offer for Lifestylist listeners, go to magbreakthrough.com slash Luke. And in addition to the 10% discount you'll get by using the promo code Luke10, you will unlock a special gift with purchase for a limited time only. So again, go to magbreakthrough.com slash Luke and get your gift. Back to the... Um, magnesium? Yeah, the magnesium, yep. yeah. Yeah, totally. So for anyone that doesn't know, if you haven't heard Luke or myself or others rap about magnesium and its benefits, really, again, so we have this whole philosophy at Max Vitality, um, the MVP protocol, which we launched at the beginning of this year, where it's really rooted in the <laughs> optimization of our mineral levels. So we're teaching people and guiding people, not just on the importance of minerals, because our minerals are literally the foundation of our physical health, but like not just our physical health, we got to keep in mind, our enzymes are totally mineral dependent, our biochemicals, our hormones, our metabolism, just about every single biological function is totally run dependent on our mineral levels. And magnesium is, in my opinion, the most important one for us to be focusing on because it, it's responsible for over 42% of our enzymes in our body, right? 42% of our electrical being is totally run independent on magnesium alone, right? And when you stack that with the fact that it's also the fourth, supposed to be the fourth most abundant mineral in the human body, the second most abundant mineral inside each of our cells, and the fact that over 95% of Americans are extremely magnesium deficient, it's definitely an important one for us to be focusing on. Um, and so often people end up running to, they hear that, they hear about the factory farming and the deple depleted soils because of NPK fertilizer and the tap water and acid rain and all this stuff. And they want, want to run to oral forms. We had talked about, it's important to hit magnesium from all sides and oral is an important tool here. But a lot of the studies on oral supplementation are showing nine to 12 months to have any impact on our RBC mag levels, which we had touched on earlier. Anyone that wants to get their RBC tested, I'm sure we can throw a link in the show notes for uh, RBC mag test at requestatest.com. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, requestatest.com is where I did my uh, full Monty panel yep. recently. Yeah, yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, yeah so the full Monty, you get yeah, a I love good that. insight it's in so there. So much dude. cheaper too. Like I just, <laughs> I was just at a clinic and I had um, they ordered some labs for me, like just you know hormone panel and stuff like that, and I I added a couple things onto it, different levels mm -hmm. that I wanted to see. For some reason, like my insurance, deductible, some bullshit, I got a bill for $2,500 from LabCorp. I was actually I was oh, on the wait, phone bro. with them yesterday going, you guys are high. I'm not paying you $2,500 for a test that costs anywhere else in the world $300. But wow. it was a good lesson in like just bypassing a doctor and a prescription and your insurance and all that stuff all together and just yep. go to request a test, go to a local lab with that rec wow, form. Bro. Get the blood draw, send it in, and then have your practitioner, whoever that might be, actually, you know, go over the results and consult you. But man, the lab testing, you can really get burned if Big you time. if you try and go through the kind of medical system and insurance system. It's just such a scam. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up. But even 
like I was talking to Dr. Mercola. And he, he's crystal clear about this, that he wasn't able to really move the dial on his red blood cell magnesium markers in the body until he started introducing transdermal forms. And for him, that's via the float tank at his house. Oh, does he have one of your tanks? Uh, not currently. Uh, come, come on, coming, coming Joe. Coming soon, man, dude. Come he's, on, Joe. I know, man. Does he have one of those old Go. metal samadhi he's coffins or something? He's got some, uh, some truffle. Oh, so. man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, out of all the ones I've seen, I've not used one of yours yet, but just yeah. geeking on your website and stuff, like you guys or took it to the next level. I mean, I'm definitely, there's no other tank I would get at this point. I know there's a few um, online and people have reached out to me over the years with, I don't know, they're just like those shell kind, but they're like, I don't know, made in the Philippines. They just look cheesy. I don't feel like Dude. they would hold the temperature. The filtration system looks wonky. It just doesn't have, it's not thoughtful enough for me if i was going to spend you know that kind of money you're talking what like 10 to thirty thousand dollars or something mm. is that a general range of yeah. your tanks yeah roughly even. yeah i mean if you're going to spend that kind of money you want it right big time um, dude, yeah but i want to go back to something so I, it's really interesting to learn about the the emf stuff you did which good on you for that but you mentioned the transducers and the sound. Mm. And this is something I've thought about but never done, maybe because just the tanks I've been in didn't have it. But it would be a really unique experience, I think, to introduce sound and even some kind of light element. Do you guys have any kind of light show going on in there in addition to the sound? Dude, we got the blue light just for you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll make sure it's when it comes, man. Yeah. <laughs> Extra flickering blue light, like fluorescent bulbs over your face. That's it. But is there but, is there a potential for a, you know, a different kind of experience? Maybe for people that just want variety or people that aren't yet comfortable with that complete deprivation big experience. Big time. Yeah, dude. So even like... Uh, my six-year-old yesterday in her session um yeah it, it, sometimes people is kind of like that barrier to entry a lot of people i mean i'm sure when you brought peeps down or talk about floating or even people listening to this episode in the comments i could never get in one of those things <laughs> you know um and honestly it's kind of i mean i feel empathetic for those people because if you can't sit with yourself in meditation or with your own mind for even an hour. And there's been many studies on this where they put people in a silent dark room and um, for, they ask them for 15 minutes to stay in that silent dark room. And the majority of the people within 15 minutes, they rather, they opted to administer electric shocks to themselves just for some sort of pleasure and stimulation versus just sitting there with their mind in the silent darkness for 15 minutes. Wow. Which tell, tells you enough, man. But... Uh, but yeah, so it's it's. I'm glad you brought that up because it's this whole fascinating realm uh, emerging. This concept in the float world of passive floats versus active floats. And really, a passive float would kind of be what I did yesterday. As I went into the float tank, and I really just set my intention to go into the tank and surrender to the silent darkness. And usually, my intention is a little bit more complex uh, or deep than that. Whether it's to go into the surrender to the medicine of the silent darkness and just open up my heart as fully as I possibly can or surrender to the silent darkness as deeply as I possibly can um, or, or deal with any fears or thoughts they come up or anything like that, any shadow work there. But there's also this whole emerging world of active floats. 
which is interesting, dude. So now maybe people are going into the tank and they're leveraging those powerful underwater sound transducers on the back of the tank and the aux cord on the back of the tank. And they're just plugging their phone into the aux cord and selecting either their favorite songs. They can bump in there if they want, but uh, typically more conscious people are either playing um, either powerful frequencies inside the tank where they're soaking up those frequencies through the saltwater solution uh, directly into their body, which is powerful. Guided breathwork tracks, guided meditations inside the tank. And we talked about breathwork and meditation and all that. An interesting one, man, one I want to, to touch on is the power of hypnosis inside sensory deprivation. Oh, shit, son. Oosh. Yes, sir. Yeah, dude. So listen to this. There's been studies on this. Over five times more effective hypnosis when it's done in the float tank versus when it's done outside the float tank, which is why floating is being positioned as a powerful tool for overcoming all sorts of limiting beliefs and even addictions of all kinds because people can now go in and their brain isn't being distracted. So it can put all of its consciousness and brain power on the sublingual messages as they're coming in, wow. which has been really, That really makes cool, perfect man. sense because you're, you know, kind of bypassing the conscious mind. And I mean, the whole, once you surrender into the float experience, you definitely have access to the subconscious. So it makes sense. Anything you want to, positive that you wanted to imprint in there. It makes me think of, uh, I recently did a remote um, hypnosis uh, session to deal with nicotine addiction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so far it's working, but it's... yeah. Going Got strong, a bit antsy. Yeah, not yep. real comfortable yet. It's been three weeks. I'm still like, hmm, how long is this shit gonna last? But anyway, I did the hypnosis, and then she sent me the recording, mm-hmm. and I keep forgetting to listen to it. Maybe that's why I'm having a harder time with it. But yeah, when you said, I was like, oh, that's badass. You could pipe like a even one of your own hypnotherapy sessions, you know, where you really want to get stuff to stick in your subconscious mind when you're in that really hyper receptive state. Big time, bro. Yeah, I know even a lot of uh, addiction recovery centers are working in for that reason. Wow. I mean, one for that, but hold on. I'll do one deeper before I do a little sidetrack. Um, uh, one thing you might find interesting is even the Navy SEALs have been leveraging floating, right? So the government's been leveraging floating for a long period of time, ever since the days of Lily and honestly, even before that, um, one of my research shows, but MK Ultra and all sorts of stuff in there too, but one of the ones, I'm sure they've been doing all sorts of brainwashing and things like that inside the tank as well, but one that they've come out um, and kind of admitted and talked about more in depth is the fact that they've been leveraging floating and sensory deprivation as an accelerated learning environment, which is interesting. Oh, wow. But they've been able to help these SEALs speed learn languages instead of it taking six months to learn a language, say. It's taking these SEALs less than six weeks just what? by doing an inside sensory deprivation. So, bro, that's a 78% increase in the speed of their learning just by doing an inside sensory deprivation, which is profound. That's madness. Yeah, dude. Holy bro. crap. Oh, man. See, I, I talk to people like you, and I'm like, I got to do this every day. <laughs> 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 well, when my last float, when I went to, uh, to Kuya, I did, I think I was telling you, I bought a pack of three because mm-hmm. I was just, I'm living out here for a year and a half. I just got so busy, and it's probably exactly what I needed because there was a really stressful um, phase of moving here and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I went and did that, and it was like, I need to be doing this at least once a week. And I and that's been a couple months, and I haven't been back. But Dude. yeah, but it's like I think 
there's so much value if someone is situated financially in a way where they could get a tank themselves. I mean, what a what a freaking dope investment because of all of these other ways you can play with it, right? The sound, piping in things you want to learn. Uh, there's just a lot of potential, all the different physical healing, creativity. I think that's one of the big things for me about any really super deep subconscious state is the creative ideas and solutions to problems that I have that just don't arrive when I'm in that waking beta brainwave state and just busy doing things, running around. There's like, there's no space or bandwidth for the mind to start to come up with creative, uh, elegant and artistic solutions to problems or just new ideas that need to come to fruition and whatnot. Big time. Yeah. I mean, I feel a lot of us, myself included, um, so go, go, go. We got so much going on in life and yeah, doing so many different areas. Um, so for me, I wasn't able to really realize the impact that these other stressors like gravity or sensory overload from this postmodernized world or even just EMFs were having on my system until I went into an environment and laid back and decompressed and surrendered to the silent darkness. And I saw and I, I felt this buzz of relaxation and peace that I had never experienced in the everyday world where everything's constantly binging me and hitting me and stimulating me, you know, and distracting me more, yeah. more so than, than not. But so many people are almost unconsciously, subconsciously today seeking some sort of distraction in the external world as a reflection of this discomfort within themselves that they feel or this stress they feel within themselves. Um, so people totally. are constantly running to the phone. You see people in the bathroom or at dinner or all these things. Yeah, like, like the guy you're sitting across from. <laughs> <laughs> I know this stuff and I still find myself, I'm, I'm making slow progress with the phone addiction, but it's, it's still a thing. Yeah, big time. You know, just, big and too. then that sensation when you you're on your phone and then time just disappears and and next thing you know you look up and you're like it's been 30 minutes what what have i been doing it's like oh i just fell in a telegram wormhole or something and had no idea that i was wasting my life on some bullshit scary bro so it's 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 pretty universal i mean you can be a pretty functional conscious person and still fall into that trap Let's take a moment to explore one of the coolest innovations I've come across in my endless search for ways to improve our quality of life and vitality. It's a quantum energy streaming service called Quantum Upgrade. Through years of research and innovation, they've created one of the world's most accessible forms of quantum energy. And when you subscribe to their service, Quantum Upgrade transmits this energy into your home, car, or even onto your phone. Let's face it, many of us are stuck in patterns we repeat daily. We get up, we get dressed, we go to work. And this routine takes a lot of energy and at times leaves little room for personal growth. Well, it's widely known that quantum energy supports change and transformation. Your life can change dramatically when you access the quantum energy surrounding us. I personally love this service and often use its boosting feature at specific times when I need extra support with my mood and energy. Now, as far out as the realm of quantum energy is, rest assured that Quantum Upgrade has been tested and studied by independent institutes, doctors, and labs with phenomenal results in placebo-controlled double-blind studies, which can be easily viewed right on their website. So do yourself a favor and try this service out for free for 15 days. Just hop over to quantumupgrade.io 
and enter the code LUKE15 to activate your free trial. Again, that's quantumupgrade.io. So is there anything uh, currently that you guys do with the, the lighting that is assist in this? Or do you foresee in the future, um, you know, utilizing a hypnagogic light, like have this thing over there called the Lucia light and have this other thing called the neurovisor. And they both kind of do the same thing in different ways where you're um, sort of bringing about this pretty psychedelic state, frankly, um, just with these different frequencies of light sets. Mm -hmm. Have you played around with that or have any plans to? Totally. Yes, we have currently, it's equipped with like powerful um, chromotherapy lights inside the tank. People, there's just a button on the inside of the tank. You can feel it pops out, pushing in, and you can start basking in different frequencies of light. Whether it's red light therapy, we got in there. Um, we got your favorite blue light. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it has <laughs> its place. Uh, you exactly. Know. But we got we got all the benefits. You can you can flick the room and kind of get the benefits of these different frequencies of light while you're in there too. But dude, would love to at some point. Um, definitely partner up with some sort of company. And as of right now, we love stacking them with CL light sessions, either pre-float, even like Dr. Joe Dispenza, he has a, a powerful mind map course or yeah. mind, mind movie course yeah, yeah. where they do a lot of the um, kaleidoscope meditations. Yeah, dude. Dude, so like if I'm working on something, which I constantly am, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, stacking like the kaleidoscope with my mind movie with the float tank, you know, like doing that before. Right. And really allowing everything to really percolate in there on a really deep unconscious subconscious level. Like the implications for floating and how you want to optimize it uh, consciously for specific intention is really, really cool. Like it's not just silent yeah. darkness, man. Wow. That's, that's, that's a great idea. I'm getting all kinds of ideas. The last float that I did, um, which I hadn't done it in a while and I feel like it might have been better to go back in and get used to floating again and then start to get creative. But I just had the idea to do a microdose of ketamine when I went in there. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it was great. But also I realized that the timing of that is really, really important, you know, because this was a trochee and it started to kind of like, it was not very large dose, but it started to kick in before I was in there, mm -hmm. you know? And I was mm -hmm. like, no, nah, it wasn't the plan. <laughs> I didn't realize it was going to take them so long to put me in there. Yeah. And then once I was in there, it was great because I just, I immediately went to that deep space and was just like totally checked out. There wasn't, mm -hmm. um, oftentimes when I float, there's an adjustment period of, you know, getting my body right, the position right, like making sure I'm not touching my face and getting salt in my eyes and all, you know, all that, just acclimating to it, yeah. getting used to the water going in your ears and all that and I just whizzed past all of that but then when it came time to get out and have to take a pee uh, it was a little challenging <laughs> to get back in my body and you know work my muscles to climb out of there I was like okay definitely be mindful uh, when you're introducing other you know substances and things like that but it, w it was a really deeply and a profound you know just a huge rest for my system but I'm, I really like the idea of working with breath work and these meditations, sounds, hypnosis, lights. I think there's just a lot of potential to do some really cool work. Big time. Yeah. So you're, you're, one of, you're the kind of guy that leaves the tank yellow, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, and then when I got out, I think I texted a friend of mine. I was like, hey, I just had a cloat. K-L-O-A-T, right? Yeah. K, like a K-float. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah K-Float. I, I yeah, want to yeah. patent that idea. Yeah, dude. For or it could sure. be K-Float, you know, however you, however you like. I'm in on it. I'm in on but, it. But uh, yeah, it was, it was cool. I think there was something, something to that. I mean, I wouldn't advise yeah. like, you know, 
be mindful. It's not yeah, something no, I'm recommending. Sure. I felt like I understood the threshold of risk involved and felt very, you know, able to be responsible for myself in that situation. But totally. Yeah, dude, there's so many people that, uh, again, people always ask like about mixing psychedelics in the float tank and mm-hmm. uh, much like yourself, I'm a avid ex- self-experimenter. <laughs> I can <laughs> tell. Know, especially the float tank. And, uh, yeah, dude. So for me, I just always recommend, um, starting slow and, for me, like the silent darkness is already an extremely powerful medicine, mm-hmm. right? It's a super mm-hmm. powerful medicine. And for me, I just, I always recommend people trying, trying to sober float first and connecting with the silent darkness and learning that medicine first. And then after you learn that medicine, you feel called to, to stack something on consciously, maybe a, I know commonly like a, like cannabis or edibles or something like that, but Maybe not diving right into 300 <laughs> mg of THC or whatever it is. You know, Sound but, advice. But consciously using um, the minimal effective dose because keep in mind, inside that float tank, it's going to be quite expanded and accelerated inside that tank because all of your awareness is going to be in that space. Um, can leave you uh, extra ungrounded potentially um, if you dive into these things. So just consciously using potentially a microdose of some of these substances, but I think a lot of the people, especially listening to this episode, would be shocked that if they floated three times in a short period of time, usually three times in that first month or so, because um, sometimes the first session you go in and there is an acclimation to it, you know, it's like it's such a new environment. You know, my daughter yesterday was poking around in there and she was just so jazzed up to be in the salt water dude it's like bounced around in there. yeah yeah <laughs> i was like yeah but mila didn't even get a second to, <laughs> to relax <laughs> by splashing and stuff but uh but yeah but giving yourself because maybe it takes that that person 45 of those first 60 minutes if it's a 60 minute float which is pretty standard to really drop into that space and connect with their heart and establish that new baseline of relaxation and peace inside the float tank. But then when they go in for float number two, and maybe a week later, maybe a day later, a couple weeks, whatever it is, maybe they're able to drop into that in just 20, 30 minutes. Float three, five or 10 minutes. And then eventually they're able to snap right there. And eventually with that biofeedback, the idea would be they're able to tap into those new baselines of peace and stillness throughout the day on cue almost and cultivate that because they've already experienced that and developed a relationship with that baseline inside the float tank. It's a really, really Love cool it. thing. So, so true. Yeah. And I, I always recommend when I, back in LA, I used to take a lot of newbies to go float because I was super into it. And I'd always say, don't judge the first one. You got to go three times and then you'll know whether you like it or not. And usually, like homies would go once and they either like it enough to try the three. Every once in a while, someone's like, no, hell no, this isn't for me. I hate it because I just can't be with myself that long. And then I would stop being friends with them because they were so unconscious. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, I mean, some people are just, they're not into it. They're like, this sucks. I'm wet. It's dark. Like, yeah. fuck this. I'm out. Um, totally. But I found that most people, if they go for three and they get the feel of it, it's like riding a bike, you know, you kind of got to learn how to get your balance and just find your way with it. Most people tend to take to it where they yeah. want to do it. Semi-periodically. Big time. Yeah, dude, I know for me, it's like one thing that's really helped me with and I'm sure a lot of people can relate is like when I'm working with dude clients, right? Versus female clients. Like I work with a bunch of both of them and the the female hormone cycle is working off that moon cycle, right? Towards the month long where the dude's hormone cycle is running off that 24-hour cycle. 
So especially for me, when I'm working with these dude clients, myself included. These dude clients. These, these dudes. <laughs> these, funny, dude. these young studs. You're funny, dude. But <laughs> uh, when, we're, when we're in this tank, like set it, making a practice to establish that baseline at the beginning of every day, right? To really balance the hormones and set that baseline and get on this consistent schedule with it. Because then after I'm able, I know for me, after I'm able to drop into that baseline of peace and stillness and experience that and pinpoint my heart center at the beginning of every day and operate from there, bring my consciousness to that and through that, then as I go throughout the day and maybe someone cuts me off in traffic, right? <laughs> maybe someone flips me the bird, whatever it is, leaves a nasty comment on, on this live video, whatever it is. <laughs> um, it's not that I won't be as reactive, which I typically won't, but... I'm, I'm much more acutely able to recognize this fluctuation away from that baseline of inner peace and stillness, where typically if I didn't connect with this, I wouldn't have been able to notice or map this out and notice where I was at consciously, you know? Um, but yeah, I'm much more able to notice any fluctuation away from that baseline. And then as a result, if I notice a fluctuation, a little stress, whatever, going back to the breath, uh, going on a quick walk, uh, quick meditation, whatever it is, really going in and dropping into that baseline again. And then I can operate from there for the rest of the day without being as reactive Absolutely. instead of operating from that fluctuation. Absolutely. Sound so, advice, my friend. Uh, I wanted to let listeners know that if they want to check out some of the vitality salts here, which we're, we're soaking our feet in, dude, yeah, which yeah. is hilarious. We've been sitting there the whole time. <laughs> my feet are like prunes now at this point, dude, but yeah. it, feels, it feels hella good. Yeah, if you guys want to check out the salts uh, or get your float tank for your home or if someone has a center, they want to open a biohacking center. I think I mentioned your tanks on a recent episode where I talked about building a wellness you know, center or something like that. Uh, but you've been kind enough to give us some discounts. So if you guys go to lukestory.com slash maxvitality and use the code lukestory, my name, you get 10% off your salts or 2500 bucks off your float tank purchase, which is pretty cool. So thank you for that. lukestory.com slash maxvitality. Last question I have for you is what's up with the infoceuticals? Do you well, explain what infoceuticals are and are you using them to infuse that in your salts or into, your, into the water of the float tanks that your clients use? Yeah, good question. Um, yeah, I appreciate that, bro. And I appreciate you letting people know on one of the previous casts as well. I appreciate it too. Oh, for sure. When I find cool stuff, when someone's doing something right, I am more than happy and overjoyed to promote them and support them because I want more conscious companies that do shit right to exist and help more people you know there's a lot of crappy tanks out there i've been in them they suck like so if you're not doing it right like get out of the way Uh i mean maybe if someone makes a you know cheap tank and that's the best someone can afford that does serve a purpose but Mm -hmm. if somebody wants to like get the best of the best and really make it worth their time and energy then you know people like you have to exist appreciate you man yeah yeah and uh yeah so the infraceuticals dude the salt's got a lot going into it um, I know we had talked about it a decent amount at the beginning of the episode, if anyone missed that. But um, we got, again, in summary, the purest magnesium chloride, right? Hands down. I've tested every single mine on earth, by far the purest. With magnesium's cofactors, we got the bicarbonate to get more magnesium into the cell and into the mitochondria to accelerate ATP production, and the boron, uh, which we know is so great for so many things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but... um but especially to help keep the magnesium in the cell longer, it's a really good hit there. Um, so we got that, but it's not just 
the mag chloride with the cofactors. We also got really the way it came about was I was working with a bunch of our friends as well in the the biohacking space and uh, I talk with many awesome people like yourself to try to like optimize the whole tank. And then my attention went to the float tank solution, right? So it's like, how can I optimize a solution that we're laying in? That's where we made the switch to this. We can start soaking up mag through the body with the mag chloride with the cofactors to get more mag in during a float session. Then we even started taking that salt and blasting it with powerful infraceutical frequencies, right? These powerful energetic infraceutical frequencies to infuse information into the salt. So now while we're soaking in this salt, man, what we've infused in this in particular is magnesium frequencies, is powerful heart opening frequencies, is grounding frequencies. So while you're soaking in this stuff, you're soaking, your energetic body is also being fed because it's basking in these frequencies and in this information, um, which is very high vibrational. And then it's not just the, the infaceuticals, man. I don't know if you saw, but it's also alchemically alive, um, which is a which yeah, is a cool what, touch Oh, yeah. Too. What's up with that? I did notice that, actually. Yeah. Have you, you delved into, um, I guess, European alchemy? Uh, no, I haven't. It's a it's a subject that I've not yet really explored, dude. It's a it's a whole rabbit hole. Let me tell you, it's a really, really interesting approach to healing, like at the at the root cause, at the energetic cause, um, and it's something that we intertwine with our our protocol because I have a, a solid foundation in that as well. Oh, cool. But so, for example, an analogy would be um, like so. Imagine I'm coming from right from the farm in Hawaii. If I go outside on Hawaii in that volcanic soil and pluck an apple off of the tree. When that apple is so when that apple's on the tree and it's connected to its source through the tree into the earth and it's in its in its element, right? We would all agree that that apple on the tree or freshly picked has much more healing potential and life force energy than an apple that's been sprayed and plucked and trucked across the country for weeks on end and stored and preserved and all these things, right? So the apple that's on the tree connected to its source has much more life force energy. Um, So what an alchemist would call the second apple, the later apple, the one that's been trucked across the country, is an alchemically dead apple. It has much lower levels of life force and as a result, healing potential if you were to consume the two apples. Yep. Makes sense. Yep. With you. The same is true. I know it's not commonly looked at it this way with minerals as well. When the minerals are in the mine, right? Deep underground, we're talking miles beneath their surface, in the mine, in the cave, with the humidity, with the other minerals in its elements. Those minerals are also alchemically alive. They have much more, again, life force energy. And as a result, healing potential than the alternative, which would be salts or minerals that are mined and unconsciously trucked and stored across the globe for years on end, oftentimes in plastic. Um, yeah, and it's totally taken out of its element and has much less healing potential. So through an ancient ceremonial and alchemical process, um, which the alchemists have been using for quite some time, it's a really fascinating story, European alchemy and how it's been this art that's constant it constantly goes through this renaissance of like re-emerging and then being suppressed and re-emerging and being suppressed but back in the day the powers that be in europe um, in northern africa were really afraid of the alchemist 
And back then, interesting enough, the alchemists back then were the blacksmith uh, of the day because these blacksmiths were so well-versed on the chemistry of these different minerals. And they also had the means to these different furnaces to actually melt um, and combine these different minerals and elements as well. It's really fascinating. So the powers that be kept shunting it down because they're like, hey, if these blacksmiths can brew up some piece of glass that looks and tests like a crystal or a diamond, or they can literally combine chemically these different lesser metals like lead and combine them so that their chemistry is the exact same. And what they ended up doing is linking in the spiritual aspect to making sure the energy of the gold is the exact same so that it's identical to that of the actual gold. So no one was able to tell the difference. So like, hey, these blacksmiths are the only people that could actually potentially amass enough wealth to totally overthrow us. So we got to shut this thing down. Wow. It's like a war between the, the Masons and the blacksmiths. <laughs> dude, right? I know, right? Yeah. yeah it's quite, quite the war. We're probably still in that war right dude, now. Dude, I actually. think we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, it's funny. But like seeing, after working with so many of the world's top alchemists, seeing what they can do with these minerals, like in turning these lesser metals into higher metals like gold and even beyond um, is really, really profound. And so you've worked with, with one of these wizards to uh, optimize the minerals and in, in the salts, which also go in your tanks? Totally. So yeah, wow. all the salts have been brought through this ancient ceremonial alchemical process with Bunsen burners. And um, yeah, dude, it's really, keep wow. it really, really ceremonial to actually extract the spirit out of the magnesium chloride. And then once you isolated the spirit of the magnesium chloride, um, you can actually take that and infuse it back into another batch of magnesium chloride salts. Oh, and, interesting. Yeah, so it has, the, the only people that I know of that we've actually extracted the oil of magnesium, which is a spirit of magnesium, and then reinfused it back into the salts. Which has been a dude. It was such a such a fun journey. I mean, that's a passion of mine. Um, yeah, super, super spiritual dude. To be able to learn that and then do it and bring it all together in this um, like superpower healing salt that we can then fill our float tanks with. There are people that can't afford a float tank. They can go in and soak in it like like we're doing right now, dude. I don't know about you, but I'm about to with the flyer on the room. <laughs> I, I got to say, I feel great. I feel great. I think I'm just, I keep talking and we keep talking. I'm like, oh yeah, we're supposed to end. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. And thank you so much for, you know, your devotion to all the weird things in life that uh, help people and are awesome and relatively uh, unknown, you know, in the greater scheme of things. So yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, before we close, I got one more question. Oh, you've like wicked up a bunch of water into your jeans. Oh, dude, I'm in on it, man. Yeah, I'm telling you, the more hair falls, the better, dude. <laughs> that's so that, funny. That was actually totally on purpose. Really? Yeah. That's great. Dude, I was about to hop in. I think first. I'm going to start doing the, the, the uh, Vitality Salt foot soak in every episode. What if every guest comes in? I'm like, oh, take off your shoes. Bro, yeah, I'm in on that. Uh, but in, I got one last supply. quick question for you, and that is who have been three teachers that have influenced your life and your work that you'd like to share with us? Beautiful. Yeah, I appreciate you opening up the floor to that. Um, yeah, as I reflect, dude, I will say in this way, I, I've been on the health journey for a while, um, but really yourself in particular, because I had originally gotten into... Um, I was big on following Ben Greenfield and uh, was shortly after introduced to you. But um, your journeyman and 
what you've been sharing with the people and your presence and your ability to communicate it like authentically and honestly has been really, really cool. Um, wow. It's inspired a lot and not just me, but so many other people, like other people that I have worked with um, that have also been great teachers of mine and um, now now good friends like Matt Blackburn that we talked about. Um, I, know, I know he says that the reason he even started his podcast and did his thing was because of you as well. So the the ripple of one man has been been profound dude. Wow, I'm honored. Thank that. you. Yeah, that's that. the best answer any guest has ever given. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot uh, to talk about how humble I am. <laughs> no, no, I, yeah, I appreciate no that, man. I that's I I feel that and and thank you for the for the acknowledgement. Yeah, yeah man. And, uh, and and on that line, um, yeah, people that have really been spearheading, got to give some credit to people that have been spearheading the mineral movement. Because the mineral is such a big piece of my philosophy and how I've helped heal myself and how we're helping heal so many people. Um, so the mineral aspect, people like Matt Blackburn, but a big one. Other than those two, you two, um, even my original martial arts instructor has been one of the most profound impacts on my life. Because I was a young dude, I was probably four years old and um, a wild man, because imagine I had all this energy that I was holding in and suppressing, and it was coming out in all sorts of uh, ways, like ADHD and many different things off the wall, like anger and suppressed emotions that I was holding in there. So when my parents introduced me to him, and he took me under my wing, under under his wing rather, even though I couldn't really even like walk <laughs> at the time until like six or seven, um, he was there like with the patience to really sit with me and just hold space as he was teaching me martial arts, um, which has been a skill that's um, allowed me to not just have that outlet to be able to release that energy, but it's been a way that I've been able to touch a lot of lives and help a lot of people too through teaching them a passion of mine, which is martial arts and self-defense and everything that, that comes with that. So i got to to give some love to Sensei Rick. <laughs> awesome. Uh, awesome. Sensei Rick, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of guests will cite someone earlier in their life where, I mean, I never mentioned mine, but I did maybe out of all the teachers that I experienced, I kid, there was only one and I don't remember her name, but I know that she was an art teacher in this high school that I went to for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was like the only teacher that was cool. And like you said, just held space for me. And I think tried to encourage the things that I had some aptitude in rather than just, you know, beating me up for the things that I was not good at, like <laughs> math and things like that. You know, she was like, cool, fuck math here, paint something. Oh, wow. That's great, <laughs> Luke. I mean, sometimes a kid just needs like some encouragement of, of where their talent lies. Mm-hmm. That's probably one of the issues with our education system in general is this kind of universal, um, you know, uh, misfit of, a system onto all these unique kids. But anyway, I don't want to get into another rabbit hole. We got to get out of here. Thank you so much for joining me on the show, bro. And thank you for doing good work. Thank you for doing things right, building an awesome company. As a solid entrepreneur, you're you're doing a great service to our listeners and the world. So thank you. I appreciate you, bro. Right back at you, man. It's been a, an honor to be out here in ATX, tearing it up with you guys and um, looking forward to another one at, at some point. Right on, sir. Getting you a tank. Yeah, we got to do that soon. It's on, my, it's on my vision board. It's going to happen ASAP. Let's do it. All right. Much love, my brother. Thank you, man. Thank you. All right, ladies and gents, we just crushed another episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. And remember that listeners like you can get 10% off your order of Vitality Salts 
and or $2,500 off a float tank purchase using the code LUKESTORY at checkout at lukestory.com slash maxvitality. And that link is also in the show notes on your podcast app. All right, before we float on out of here, I have one humble request. Check it out. If you found this information to be of value, please take just a quick moment and text it to a couple friends or even throw a post up on your Instagram stories. Incredibly, this show's managed to hit 10 million downloads with zero advertising over the past six years. And that has happened because generous, thoughtful people like you chose to share it to their networks. It might not seem like it helps for you to pass episodes along the old content chain, but uh, trust me when I say every share matters. And know that I deeply appreciate you listening and of course sharing the shows with which you find resonance. So thank you so much in advance for doing so and a huge hug for those of you that already did. This is a very special week, you guys, as we'll be dropping another full episode this Friday. Yeah, you get a little bonus this week. Two episodes from your old pal Luke. It's episode 455, Field Tripping, Psychedelic Entrepreneurship and the Journey of Waking Up with Ronan Levy. Now, I did a ton of recording at the end of 2022 and have so many great episodes in the can that uh, I just couldn't wait until next Tuesday to drop another one. So hit follow or subscribe so you don't miss this Friday's Fiesta because it is a good one. All right, that's it. We're out. I wish you and yours the best year ever. And I can't wait to share with you another 72 great episodes this year. Yes, 72. I counted them and that's about the number. Until then, I'll be back at you this Friday with Ronan Levy of Field Trip. Field Trip.